Hey, it's Brian here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Go Be More podcast. For those of you who've never heard of Go Be More Apparel, I just want to take a moment to tell you what we're about. We believe we all have a responsibility to chase our dreams, and we want to give you the motivation, the mindset, and the permission to do it. We want our apparel to be a constant reminder of your commitment to achieving your goals. We want the words Go Be More to remind you of your dreams and your next steps every time you see them. As for this podcast, every Tuesday I speak with John Rankin, world-class miler, kidney disease survivor, and founder of Go Be More about topics that will help to unlock your potential and get you moving forward. Every Friday, we interview a special guest to learn more about their Go Be More journey. In this episode, we speak with Vaughn Ware, former U.S. champion in the triple jump and Emmy award-winning videographer who now works with major brands like Nike and Gatorade. A self-described athlete nerd, Vaughn shares stories about how he transitioned from gymnastics to track, his passion for videography and technology, and why he wants to help athletes tell their stories. Along the way, Vaughn shares stories of the other great jumpers he competed with, his mentality of being content with putting it all out there, and some of his go-be-more goals for himself and his business. Vaughn's approach to developing new skills and continuous improvement is really made clear in this conversation. We hope you can take inspiration from his story. All right, on to the episode. Vaughn, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. What's up, Vaughn? What's up, brother? <laughs> What's up? It's an honor to be here, man. So, Vaughn, I met you through John as we started Go Be More. And I know you have a background with John. But before we get into some of that, I'm actually curious how you ended up in track and field and the triple jump. Because the triple jump is one of those events that is such a specialized skill. Can you tell us a little bit about where you came from and how you ended up in the triple jump? I always like to say the triple jump is one of those awkward events. Most people kind of, you know, they get thrown into it. You know, most people don't say, hey, I want to be a triple jumper. They just, it's usually something that the coaches say, hey, we need somebody uh-huh. to triple jump, go do it. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, uh, I had no interest in uh, track and field, actually being a track and field athlete. I did gymnastics for a long time growing up. And, uh, By the time I got to high school, my freshman year, uh, I wasn't even playing football or anything. One of my best friends got me to play football just randomly. He was like, hey, you know, you're one of the most athletic guys I know. You should play football. The season had already started. I was playing in a flag football game in regular PE. And the coaches saw me catch the ball and go up the sideline and said, who's that kid? And they said, oh, that's Vaughn. He's a gymnast. Um, You know, he's not interested in football. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, you know, they said, hey, we want you to play on the football team and uh, had had some pretty good success, actually. uh, After that, I played probably up until about the middle of my middle of my junior year, actually, um, well, just before my junior year. And, uh, you know, had 99 yard kick returns. I just kind of was a natural at it. Unfortunately, the coaching was just not really there and uh, didn't have a great relationship with the coach and uh, one of the other coaches who was a defensive back coach said hey why don't you try track and field and I said uh why would I do that I hate running and <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was like well no I know you you have a background in gymnastics you know you know maybe you can try some jumping events so I reluctantly came out and said all right you know cool and ran the hundred and actually did the 110 eye hurdles out of all that I'm not a very tall guy Wow. did the 110 high hurdles and actually ran, you know, 13 something in the hurdles and uh, really never did wow, them that's fast. often. But for a short guy, I mean, that's not bad. 
you know, we did the high jump and uh, I broke our, I think our south, our junior record in the high jump and jumped like, I think it was like six one, six two, or something like that. And I was all probably a five foot, you know, maybe four then, you wow. know. And so obviously it looked like I was doing a lot because I was so short and ended up uh, doing the long jump and did really very well in the long jump, broke our school long jump record. And uh, just randomly at one meet, he said, hey, I want you to try the triple jump. He's like, that thing I had been working with you on. And uh, I reluctantly did not want to go do it. And he said, hey, please go do the triple jump. I said, all right, fine. And uh, lo and behold, it was at uh, what now is, I think, San Diego Academy at San Diego High School out in San Diego. Um, I went, ran down the runway and hop, skip, and jump and jumped about 49 feet in the triple jump. And the coach wow. was like, do you realize how far that is? And I had no recollection or reference of what that was. And I was like, 49 feet. He was like, you're one of the top jumpers in the county right now. You know, why don't you go and do that again? So I ran down, did it again, and, you know, jumped 40, 49, almost 50 feet that day. And so he's like, I think we found your event. And I said, right. okay, wow. whatever. And, and wow. then just randomly at uh, what now I believe, I forgot what it is now, but it was a Mount Carmel High School out in San Diego County. And uh, we had the uh, Mount Carmel Invitational. And uh, that day I ran down the runway and on my first jump, I jumped 50 feet in the triple jump. And the coach said, this is your event. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know, you're the number one jumper in the, in the county right now. And you're making your way up the national list right now. And, uh, you know, I pretty much kind of looked at it as like, hey, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. And if I can do that without knowing what I'm doing, I better kind of focus on this and learn how to do the triple jump. And right. lo and behold, uh, my June that same year, uh, I ended up uh, going to CIF and uh, jumping 50, uh, 51 something. And I went to state and uh, the state cha California championship meet and got second in state as a junior. And a lot of the other uh, jumpers there were, you know, seniors and they were like, hey, man, you know, you're going to win this next year if you uh, keep keep doing what you're doing. And that whole summer I learned with my coach what the triple jump was. I studied films and watched all the greats. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, fortunately, the next season, uh, my senior year, I started off jumping 50 and 51 and uh Fast forward to uh, CIF championships my senior year. Uh, first jump, I jumped 51-11. And second jump, uh, I jumped 52 and break the CIF record that had been standing uh, in San Diego County for 20-some-odd years by the, the previous record holder was Willie Banks, the world record holder at the time wow. in the triple jump from wow. Oceanside High School. Uh, so that pretty much kind of started off, you know, the whole journey of wanting to continue in track and field and be a triple jumper. Can I ask you, wow. when you had a background in gymnastics, I'm curious how much you think that that had a, a role in your success? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, it's everything I think comes from that in my athletic background, just the, the body awareness that you get when you're, you're doing gymnastics and, you know, the flexibility and a lot of the, the, the jarring and, and the, the explosiveness, you know, just from mm -hmm. tumbling and, and everything. I think it, w it was just a perfect fit for, you know, the event I was in. You know, what I lacked, what, most triple jumpers there, you know, those guys are tall and lanky guys, just like long jumpers. 
and I was more compact, built more like a sprinter. And uh, for me, I think just what I lacked in leg length, I made up in speed and power and right. everything. And so right. I think that that's what helped me in the long run. So you yeah, win I, this. Oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I, I, I have this theory that being well-rounded and, and, and having experiences with other disciplines and other sports, I think actually could help enhance your ability to perform better and a, a, a more... Uh, an event that you're really focused on being really good at. So I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, but not surprised uh, to hear that the gymnastics in your mind contributed to your success as, as a, as a triple jumper in terms of your ability to not only do it well from the beginning, but I think it, 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 it contributed to your ability to continue to improve because you had that body awareness. You had that feel of, of, of movement, um, obviously flexibility, um, things that you need in general, just to be athletic and then you're able to apply that athleticism to a specific event on track and field. And I, and I think that more athletes should consider trying. I mean, it, it might sound crazy, but I mean, trying ballet or gymnastics or those odd sports for most people. The sport themselves, I'm fascinated with those sports, actually. Um, super happy to have a little girl who uh, loves gymnastics, who's learning gymnastics and is also into dance and specifically into ballet. So I'm like, I, now I'm getting to dive into that, that world. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have learned ballet because I think it would have made me a better uh, distance runner. Definitely. Definitely. And my, my kids are already, you know, taking after me. My oldest son, he's already doing back tucks. And uh, one of my twins, I have twin boys, three boys, all boys. And uh, one of the twins just started doing back handsprings and everything. So wow. it's definitely something that, uh, you know, I was doing at that age as well. You know, I, you know, that's the reason I got in gymnastics. I was flipping off couches and rooftops and my mother and grandmother was like, hey, you know, we got to get this kid into gymnastics if he's, before he kills himself, number one, <laughs> so he can learn how to do it properly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, yeah I, I attribute gymnastics to, you know, a lot of uh, sports success that I had. But I'm wondering, when you, you won the, the uh, California State Championships, how did you decide what your next steps were going to be? I mean, you stuck with it, obviously. You became a U.S. champion over time. But um, can you tell us a little bit about where you were at at that time and, and how you thought about moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, as I told you before, I, I really hadn't even thought about track and field and really focusing on it and everything. And it wasn't until I had that success in within the sport that I really thought about like, hey, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for me to actually become, you know, a world-class athlete. And, uh, you know, with, with jumping 52 feet, which, you know, I look back at it now and, you know, I think as athletes, we we really don't have a lot of time to look back on the period of when we're competing. We, you know, we look back at after our careers are over and, you know, still, still to this day, I always look at like, oh, you know, I just jumped 52 feet in high school. It was no big deal. But, you know, when I talk to people, they're like, dude, you know, 52 feet is kind of far for a high school kid to be jumping. And so um, for me, it was just literally like, okay, so what would be the next step? Because I didn't really have any body that I knew that was competing at track at a higher level or anything like that. So, you know, most of my family members were, you know, that even did professional sports had done, you know, the, the normal sports, football, basketball, things of that nature. So I had no idea and concept of what, you know, what I was going to end up doing. And uh, so, you know, I, I 
pretty much kind of thought like, okay, well, you know, there's, there's a college route, you know, I can, you know, go and continue to compete in, in that manner. And, uh, you know, I did, you know, I was looking at, you know, schools like UCLA, my, my head coach, uh, ran for UCLA and everything. And, um, uh, you know, got to the point where, you know, I got too, it got too late, you know, to figure out where I was going. And, uh, you know, junior college was the only route, you know, at that time and everything. And so I ended up going to, uh, leaving sunny California of all places to go to, uh, Kansas. So I was actually, uh, spent some time out in Kansas. Um, which was uh, an eye-opening experience, a learning experience, you know, getting used to different type of weather and climate, and um, which I was very successful out there at the junior college. I went to Cloud County Junior College in Concordia, Kansas, and uh, still hold their record in the triple jump um, and went to, uh, got to compete in a lot of uh, the Midwestern schools, you know, uh, went to Husker Invite, KU Relays, and actually won all of those relays and everything as well as a junior college athlete and went to junior college uh, championships and got placed second there where I was jumping against uh, a few guys that became future Olympians and world champions, uh, James Beckford and uh, from Jamaica. And uh, 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 that was during the dynasty. If some people remember who are track heads, uh, Blinn Junior College was a powerhouse back then. And, uh, you know, Jerome Romaine, who ended up going to University of Arkansas and was a world, you know, world champion medalist and everything. So, I, I, you know, I definitely got to enjoy competing at that level against some, you know, high profile guys, which is what I wanted to do was uh, compete against the best um, athletes and everything. And then from there, uh, came back to San Diego and started training at, uh, you know, San Diego State. Um, under uh, Ron Sheffield, who was the head coach at the time, uh, and he had Sheffield Elite, um, which was a club um, with elite athletes. And uh, for me, it was kind of like, you know, you have a choice. You can continue that route. And which, you know, I look back sometimes and go like, you know, it would have been nice to continue a collegiate career. But I basically kind of forewent my college eligibility and became technically a pro, I guess you can say. And uh, ran for Sheffield Elite. And uh, after that, which was, I think I came out there the fall of 96. And uh, which pretty much started my journey as a professional track athlete. I, uh, huh. My first actual U.S. national championships was the 96 Olympic trials. Wow. <laughs> U.S. national trials. I mean, oh, for a guy God. who had never went to an NCAA championship or any of that. I mean, I was sitting in will call looking at Kenny Harrison, who's the, obviously the gold medalist uh, from the 96 games and, you know, had the American record and the Olympic record in the triple jump. Mike Connolly, you know, from, from Arkansas, who was an Olymp you know, Olympian, you know, and, you know, Robert Cannon, all these greats that I was learning about, who I hadn't competed against, was learning about. And I'm sitting in the room going like, am I supposed to be here? You know, it was kind of this moment of clarity of like, wow, you know, I, this is, these are the pinnacle of what America has. And I'm in the room, same room with these guys, you know, and then you snap back to it. And it was like, yeah, if, if I, I'm supposed to be here, then if I'm sitting in this room and I made the qualifying mark, I'm supposed to be here. So, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. You know, I didn't make the team. Um, but, you know, I was the youngest guy out there 
you know, um, with the exception, I think, um, uh, Robert Cannon from University of Arkansas, um, who was an incredible NCAA, you know, collegiate athlete and Olympian, you know, I mean, I think Robert won a few indoor and outdoor championships with the University of Arkansas, um, who was a great teammate of mine, you know, on, on a few uh, U.S. national teams. But yeah, I mean, that that was kind of like the, the beginning of like, hey, you know, you might have what it takes to continue to compete at this level. I got to compete at a um, at the Olympic level as well uh, in, in, in the middle distances and stuff. And it's fun to like reflect on, you know, moments like that right. when you're really you're looking at all these people and competitors that, that you're learning about and seeing right. doing these things at a high level. And then all of a sudden you're kind of like in the mix with them uh, and, and, you're, and you're mixing it up with them and, and then you're going toe to toe with them and you're right. meeting some of them and you're like, wait a minute. Wow, I really can do this thing, even though you believe it. Um, what, looking back on your journey, what stands out to you as far as what you were telling yourself to continue to build on the, the success that you were, uh, you know, surprisingly having? I think uh, it's just like probably, you know, that whole storyline and fairy tale where you kind of get swept up into the, the, the moment of that whole fact that it was we're in Atlanta we're in you know it's the Olympic trials you know it's like everybody has sat down and watched the Olympic games and everything and you see all of the fanfare that comes along with it and the, and the promotions and everything else and then just to be there and you know see all of the you know the sponsors that are involved and you see this amazing stadium that you never ran it on before you see in all these guys that you watch on TV or you see in and, you know, I mean, you, John, you, you know, you know, track and field news that that magazine was everything yeah. to us as athletes. And then when you finally get your name in there, even if you just got your name in it, you were like, oh, yes, you know, this is <laughs> this is awesome. You know, this. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. It, yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, just just that in itself, I think, uh, you know, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, with building top ranked athletes and those who achieve greatness, definitely 99% of it's mental. And I think when once you get to a certain level, everyone has these abilities and strengths um, to be champions. It's, it's just those that are more mentally confident and strong to be able to put themselves in that, that, that moment and say like, hey, you know, I'm gonna do this, you know, no matter what. And I think everybody that competes at that level um, in some cases, every, we all have that, possess that tool. Yes, there is some genetic gifts that are there. I mean, because right. each one of us, I think, you know, world champions and Olympic medalists and everything else, I think all of us have been in situations where we've competed against people that we thought we have no business beating at all, you know, just because they are genetically gifted and they come with this huge resume. But, you know, right. it lets you know that anybody can be beat on any given day. You know, if they're not mentally there on that day, they're not there and everything. Right. And that's definitely one of the secrets, too, you know, in terms of just knowing that um, every single competition, every single day is different. So you never really know, um, if, you know, what kind of day you're going to have. And so it's like you just got to give yourself position yourself, you know, to have the best day that you could possibly have mm -hmm. and to 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 recognize when it's happening, like you just got to capitalize that and not factor in anybody else that's there that you're competing against you're just like you just got to like dial it in and and zone in and and uh, allow yourself to just 
be as great as you possibly can be and then let the, let the chips fall where they may. I was going to ask you, though, because it's an interesting thing to talk about, like that mentality. Where the heck did it come from for you? Like, what do you attribute to having that mentality? Because I see it in, 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 in everything that you do, even from the way that you talk about your, your, your craft, your passion, and obviously you're, you're gifted. It's, not, it's no doubt about it. You're gifted as a videographer and cinematographer and photographer. You're, you're, you're a gifted storyteller in that regard. But like from, for, for, for athletics, where in the heck did the, that's where you really were honing these skills. Where did it come from? Was it your mom? Was it, yeah, like you, you mentioned your grandmother? Yeah. Was it a mentor? I, I think, I think uh, it, it's a, com a combination of, of all of those. My mom was a very, uh, you know, she's a highly intelligent, you know, probably one of the smartest women that I know. She was, you know, uh, I believe she was a valedictorian of her class, you know, in high school and everything, very smart. She was fairly athletic herself, volleyball, basketball. Um, and I believe at one point in time she was, uh, you know, when you know how they have the tryouts for things and they ask people to come, you know, she was asked to play tryout for the U.S. Women's Volleyball team at one point when she was younger. Um, and my father, he's a grandmaster in Kenpo Karate. So he's very, I grew up around a very, you know, martial arts, you know, which, you know, is infused with lots of discipline and things of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think also at an early age, I think just realizing um, some of the gifts that I had from an athletic standpoint, my parents kind of sat me down and said like, hey, look, you know, you're kind of a little stronger than, you know, most of the kids, you know, around. You can do some things and there's going to be some things that you can do that others can't do, you know. And so their whole thing was like, look, you know, you have to make sure that you understand that, but you also exercise good sportsmanship. You know, it doesn't make you any better at the fact that you may be able to run a little bit faster than this other kid. You know, you know, you just try your best. And uh, I think that those tools just kind of stuck with me all through, you know, every sport and event that I was doing. You know, like they said, hey, never treat him any differently from anybody else. Not that I was just like some genetic freak, you know. A couple of, you know, a couple of my friends will say like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, he could do some things that we just couldn't do, you know, at his age. Um, but uh, I, I think some of that just kind of is, it, it's, you know, it could be some innate and just stuff that, you know, I, I see a lot of athletes who are at that level. It's just, you know, you see it from a young age. You don't have to really motivate them, you know, coaching. They kind of uh. motivate themselves. And, you know, I, I see it in my oldest son, you know, with, with some of his sports. I don't have to say, hey, go out, you need to go out and practice. You know, I'll, I'll mention like, hey, the only way you're going to get better is if you practice something. I was like, you do something enough, you're going to start getting better at it. And, you know, he would say the same thing after a basketball game that he lost. He's like, hey, dad, I want to go shoot right now. And I'm like, man, dude, you're, you're eight years old. You know, you, you're not tired. You're ready. He's like, no, I want to get better you know, for the next time. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, My youngest cool. daughter is like that as well. Yeah. The, yeah. the idea that like, she just wants to do it right she'll just yeah. keep working at it and it yeah. doesn't matter you say hey why don't you try to learn the piano she's like okay and then she'll just every right. day just right. hammer away on it and you know and and she it, she's motivated internally about it and but that's it's a big in in her case it's a big advantage for her that she that she's starting off that way right with that right yeah they that, gotta i mean they gotta like it you know they gotta like it yeah. and be interested in it and i think the reason i didn't actually participate in more sports was simply because I found something that, you know, 
I was interested in and like I, I felt like, hey, this is something I can get better at. Whereas a lot of the other sports, I actually was, I did well at a lot of other sports and it, it came kind of easy for me. And so I, I wasn't as interested. Whereas triple mm -hmm. it was new. I didn't have a, any idea of what I could do with it. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, you know, if I work this, I can probably get better, you know, and I, and as I did, I kept progressing. And, I, and it was one, it was just that urge and need. I, I wanted to be able to jump further and further and further and everything. And so through time, you know, just like any other athlete, you have your ups and down years and everything else. But, you know, it was something that I, you know, I knew I was good at, you know, wholeheartedly. I just that deep down inside, I was like, this, I can be one of the best at this for sure. So go ahead, John. I was going to say, were you a were you a person to set goals for yourself? Like, you know, like as you get further into your career, you start to realize you only have so much time, right. so, you know, and so many opportunities, especially on the Olympic cycle. It's like, um, you know, I had only done one Olympic trials. I qualified for a couple of other Olympic games for the Cayman Islands, but I never really got to compete at the right. Olympic Games. Just things just didn't work out, and, right. and, you know, and there's and there's all kinds of factors. You yeah. know uh, that I can can attribute to that, but I guess my point is is that honestly, like the 2008 Olympic trials, that was like, that was my moment. That was right. it. Like that was my one shot. Even though I was still competing through 2012 right. and through and and here and there through through 2016, and I as long as I hit the standard and was healthy, I could have gone to an Olympic Games. Right. But the time to actually make a games and compete mm -hmm. at the highest level and have a chance to medal, 2008 was my my moment. You know. So when I look back at it, I realized that like, wow, like you, nothing is guaranteed as far as how much time you have to be successful at this thing that you're being successful at, right. you know? And um, I'm just curious, like when you look back at your career, uh, when did you realize how much time you didn't have to play around with? Like in terms of like, I better seize the moment now or it's going to slip away. Uh, did you have a moment when you realized that? And what I, did you do I did, to capitalize? I, did. I, I think for me, it was my actual jump coach, Gary Stathis, who was a uh, coach over at San Diego State. Um, he retired um, and from uh, from coaching at that level and actually uh, became a uh, head coach and an AD over at Steel Canyon High School. And I no longer had the coach that I had from the beginning and I was thrusted into this whole new situation with new coaches and the new coach that I had was not, you know, I mean, it's kind of like that same story. He, he had his own theories and wanted me to compete a specific way. And I didn't fit the mold of your average triple jumper. I was shorter. I was more compact. I had speed mm -hmm. and, and a lot, a lot of power. Uh, I had, uh, I'm trying to think of it. It may have been almost 2000, I think. Uh, that year um, where I had uh, uh, with the lack of the training that I was doing, it just didn't work for my style of jumping and everything. And I, and I finished probably like the lowest I had ever finished in a track season and everything. I, I had spent a, a string of years of finishing no, no less than the top three in the U S and everything. And then like I, uh, a few, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, good friends with, uh, you know, with Willie Banks and, and, and a few of the jumpers, you know, that I consider friends, Kenny Harrison and uh, Al Joyner, you know, who I've known for many years, you know, won the gold medal in the triple jump in the Los Angeles games. You know, we, we've sat and talked and I always talk to a few of the jumpers and say, you know, I kind of came in in track and field in, in a time where it was kind of 
the timing was kind of off because I came in just before all of these legendary guys were leaving on their way out in a sense, but they hadn't left yet. And, you know, and I was this real rookie guy that need to go through the steps and pay my dues. Yet when they finally did leave and it should have been my time to like be that type guy, the younger crop had came up and they were doing amazing things. They were jumping yeah. further than what a lot of those guys were jumping when they were young. So I was caught in this weird shift in parallel area in the middle right. where it was like either I had to do this amazing, these amazing things, or either I was going to be pushed down to the bottom. So, I mean, there were teams that I didn't make, you know, I mean, I made, you know, oh, what year was it? Seville, Sevilla's uh, world championship team. Uh, I made the last ever Goodwill Games team and I actually just missed a uh, bronze medal by like a grain, couple of grains of sand. You know, I was fortunate. I got to oh, compete against, uh, you know, Jonathan Edwards, the world record holder and, you know, Kenny Harrison, you know, who I, who, who I love, um, you know, he and I talked, you know, about track and I got to hang out with him and, uh, you know, just kind of rewind, you know, that pivotal moment, John, that you were talking about was actually at the Goodwill Games uh, when I was stretching with Kenny Harrison and we were getting ready to go out for uh, to jump. You know, I, I think most athletes, we're, we're still fans of other athletes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there and uh, Jackie Joyner-Kersey walks by. And so she starts to talk to Kenny Harrison. And I'm just sitting there stretching and, you know, enjoying it. And like thinking to myself, oh, my God, this is Jackie Joyner-Kersey, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so she finishes the conversation in Kenny and says, like, you know, okay, good luck, Vaughn. You know, uh, have a good, you know, have a, hope, you, hope you do well out there. And I was just stunned, like, Jackie Jonah Kersey knows who I am, <laughs> you know, and it was just kind of like, wow, you know, it's, it's that saying, like, you never know who's watching. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I got lucky being a Bruin because I got to connect with Rayford Johnson, Jackie Jr. She would give me hugs all the time at the, yeah. at, the, at, the at practice and stuff when she was there with Bobby Kersey and them. Right. And I would sit there and just go like, when Jackie says hi, that's like... That's that's it, man. That's like Michael Jordan, you know. Like that, you know, I mean... we we all grew up with Jackie, so it's like, oh, snap. I mean, and Jackie's just beautiful inside yeah. and out. Yeah. I mean, what a just ah, uh, an amazing human being. So yeah, I can only imagine. How did you perform after that, man? Uh, yeah, I was just like, wow, Jackie. That's amazing. But yeah, I mean, wow, I, I think wow. that's uh, one of the blessings I also had was I had those those veterans. Uh, you know, like Kenny Harrison and, and 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 those guys that actually took me underneath their wing and kind of like taught me, you know, said, hey, you know, do this, do that, you know, don't do this, don't do that and everything. So, you know, I, I was fortunate and blessed, I felt, to be able to be around, just be around those guys who had, you know, been in the sport for so many years and done so many great things. You know, I, I think my last Olympic trials that I went for before I retired was, uh, I believe, the 2004 games. Uh, and uh, I didn't make that team, but I made my coach come out of retirement and said, hey, you know, this is going to be my last hurrah. So I need you to come out and let's, you know, finish this with a bang at least and everything. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I believe that uh, the year before that, I mean, I don't even think I had even jumped 55-something feet that, you know, that the previous year. So I was pretty, uh, you know, 
you know, you get in those rut and you keep saying like, hey, yeah, it's going to get better. I have to keep moving. I have to keep getting better and everything. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, once again, you know, we got to U.S. championships and uh, I, I qualifying round, I busted out a 55-something foot triple jump. You know, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, yeah, we're, we're we're doing it." And you know, and you know, unfortunately, you know, a couple of guys, you know, one guy who hadn't jumped that far, jumped like fifty-eight feet that day. Oh my god! And you know, and then a couple of other guys responded from that and everything. And uh, you know, I end up getting, you know, I think I was fourth, fifth, or somewhere around their sixth place. But at that time, you know, as as you know, John, you know, in, in certain situation. I had I had my field of track and field. I was done. I, I knew, and I had told my told myself years ago when it was no longer fun, you know, when it was too much, you know, and I I didn't want to. I wasn't out there trying to make the effort, you know. It was going to be time for me to walk away, and mm-hmm. when I walked away, completely happy because I went out there and 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 had jumped further than I had jumped, you know, in a couple of years, you know. I think as as athletes, you know, the, our family and people that are surrounding us, you know, I think they were more devastated and thought like, oh, no, you know, you didn't make the team, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm completely fine. I'm getting ready to start another chapter in my life. And, you know, and I was happy because I put everything out on the line that day. You know, I was like, hey, yeah. you know, and that's what athletes do all the time. We constantly go out there and we put it all out there, you know, and you can't be depressed or sad or unhappy when you go out there and you do your best. And everything and that's you know that's something i try to instill in my my kids you know you just do the best that you can and you know the chips will fall where they may and that's all you have to do you know and i, and I was fortunate like i said i did things you know how many of us can say hey you know i was on a couple of u.s national teams you know i was a u.s national champion i got to travel the world you know as a professional athlete you know and meet all these incredible people just outside of sports and yeah, it, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. then the, the friendships and the bonds you make, you know, just competing with all the rest of these athletes, like, you know, becoming, you know, friends with you and Meb and, you know, all of those athletes that I got to spend time with at the Olympic Training Center, living there for years. Um, you know, it's something that you can look back on and go like, you know, hey, I, you know, not only did I do something that the average person would never be able to experience, you know, I made a bunch of friends on top of their lifelong friends right. and everything. Yeah. And, I, and I do believe that track and field is even though we have the relays and things of that nature it's an individual sport you know you really mm-hmm. get to know how tough you are as an individual how you're going to bounce back you know if you're going to stay down and everything else i mean it lets you really know who you are and you have no one to blame there's no one there I, to blame but yourself that coolest thing about track and field and i know brian's gonna ask you some good questions here but as i say coolest thing about track and field can't hide, baby. Nope. You can't hide out there, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ain't hiding behind no four other teammates on the basketball no. court. There's hiding no behind no other teammates in the football field. Not not like hockey, not like baseball. Nope. It's not at all. It, it, if you having a bad day, everybody's gonna know it. Yep. You cannot hide it. So you really gotta show up, you know, yeah. and you gotta own it when you when you when you don't, you yeah. know. And yeah. that's makes fat man in terms of track and field athletes, I'm gonna tell you right now. I think track and field is 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 uh, I think it's the best sport in the world, but I think it's the best sport and most interesting sport in the world to participate and to watch because it lends to and is and it's a reflection of um, a, a big part of what every other sport is showing on display in combination with other things to make up their sport. But track and field, that's that's the foundation, you know. Vaughn, I wanted to ask you because you had a, a short career in the sense of six, seven years. That's normal. 
during that time, you 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 skipped the last couple of years of your eligibility. You went, you became a pro. There's two things I want to try to transition to talk about your your videography. But there's this period of time where you're uh, you're a triple jumper. I can't imagine you're rolling in endorsements and you've got tons of people no. paying you to go triple jump. Right? So I'm kind of wondering how you how you got by in that time and and when you started to explore these other things like videography and how that sort of came about for you. Right. So, I mean, really, like you said, I'm not in a high profile event. So it's not like I got sponsors beating down my door or anything like that. You know, I was fortunately that uh, I lived at the Olympic Training Center out in Chula Vista. Um, you know, obviously rent free and, and things of that nature. So that, that definitely helps. Um, and, uh, you know, as I progressed and got a little bit better and everything, you know, you pick up your agent and everything and they start getting your sponsors and all that kind of stuff. And that, that helps as much as it can. You can, you know, if you got a sponsor that actually is paying you and, and everything. So, you know, that was pretty much how you kind of sustain most of the time and everything. And for me, uh, it literally how I transitioned into even thinking about, uh, which is, just weird that once again, I fell into another situation, not, you know, like I fell into becoming a triple jumper. Uh, um, I, I, I always liked art and things of that nature. I can sketch and draw and paint and things of that nature. And uh, there was a young guy at the Olympic Training Center at the time who uh, was a hurdler. And, uh, you know, I just basically, hey man, you know, I'll shoot some video of you, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's right around the time, Final Cut had came out. Um, Apple had started making Final Cut. You know, it was a non-year editing, and they had the whole suite. So you had, you know, a little motion graphic program called Motion and things of that nature. So I just kind of dove right into it, and uh, you know, with the time that I had during the off season, and created this whole little DVD form, a marketing DVD, and uh, added the graphics, everything. And he saw it and was like, "This is amazing, man." He's like, "I." you should do this for a living. And I was like, ah, I'm just playing around. I have no idea. I don't have a background in this or anything. And after retiring and everything, um, my beautiful wife at the time, she was uh, getting her uh, master's degree in uh, education. And so I just kind of locked myself in the room and, you know, night and day, just kind of started just learning the software learning how to edit, learning how to do motion graphics and things of that nature. And uh, lo and behold, a couple years later, um, an opening uh, came up downtown San Diego for a television network. And uh, I applied for it and uh, they saw the work and was like, you did all of this? You, you edited it, you shot it? And I was like, yeah, you know, but like I said, at the time, I, I had no background in this, so I had no idea. You know, at that time, people were specialized just in one discipline just in editing just in motion graphics but i could do it all real quick Vaughn, when you were learning all of it was it with the intention to get a job at a tv company or what was your what was not your thought process all, about it not at all the process was just like hey i don't know what i'm going to do right now <laughs> you know let me see learn learn this program I'm, I'm really into this you know software stuff and video let me figure out how to do this stuff and see where it takes me you know, once I kind of got the basics of it, you know, I started to realize, I was like, you know what, you know, I could do, you know, I, and I started out just like a lot of cinematographers do, you know, I shot weddings and, you know, things of that nature, you know, just because I needed to learn, 
and everything. And so once I saw that, that hey, you can actually sustain and, and get jobs doing this type of stuff, I kind of threw myself deeply into it. But it, it, it really is a passion. It's not really just like, hey, you know, I wanted to just get a job doing it. It just so happens that like, you know, the passion that I had was something that, you know, you could actually get paid to do. And, you know, it's all paying off in my, in my opinion now, because everything's digital now. Yeah. Where that, that was that when I started working at the television network, that was at the beginning stages of when HD was coming out for television and things of that nature broadcast wise. So I got to learn how to compress it and get it ready for the web. And, you know, I, it was a first rate education on just broadcast TV, which I had no idea about and everything and got to learn while I was there working at that television network and everything. And so it just kind of, you know, I, I absorbed everything that I could, you know, we were fortunate enough. We had people from LA that were working at major studios coming to work there. And I just kind of just was picking their ears and listening to everything that they were doing and just applied it all to what I'm doing now in a sense. So you, you won't know this yet because the, the episode hasn't come out. It'll come out probably later tonight. But we, we we did a podcast, John and I, where we were talking about this this idea I was trying to explain, where I, I think about skills as being like a, a you have a network of skills, and and the more skills you have, and the more you can connect those skills together, the more opportunities you create for yourself, right? Definitely. And and I started just describing this, and John was like, you know who this reminds me of? Von Ware, and he starts telling me a little <laughs> bit how you know you've got this these athletic skills, and and then you sort of dove into the video skills and i was curious about the background because i don't really know you or the story really well but but sort of there's certain skills that are high value skills and sometimes you get lucky you learn a high value skill right before tons of opportunity opens up and you, now you have it right? right but but you can be strategic about this and proactively learn something that is connected to what you already know but mm. gives you a little bit more of a boost it makes you more well-rounded makes you you know, I don't know, more knowledgeable right. or something. Anyway, John used you as the example. And I think it's really interesting that you just described how you dove into it on your own, just learning graphics. And it sounds like it was a, it was a passion. It, you were just, you were yeah. interested in it. You didn't really know where it was going to go, but it had, it had potential. So you, you get into it, but then you get your job at the TV and then they give you like the real education on how this right. works. I'm curious about your thoughts on when you're choosing what to focus on, what to do next. I mean, what's your mindset on how you think about where, where you're going to go with the, the next step? The, the beauty of of what I do is the fact that, you know, it's all, it all has to do with technology and technology is forever changing at a rapid pace. So I'm constantly having to learn, you know, it's not like I'm choosing sometimes, you know, I'm having to learn because software changes, cameras changes, the technology changes, you know, and uh, I like that about it. I like the fact that, you know, I get to try to learn something new and have to learn something new in order to, to keep pace with, you know, how, how quickly technology moves and everything. And I, I'm sort of a, you know, gadget geeky kind of guy, you know, when it comes to that and everything, I, I could, I consider myself a, uh, I guess, self-proclaimed uh, athletic nerd. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely something that, like you said, it was, it was it's a passion. I, I, I just like the same adrenaline rush I got as an athlete. I get when I see something that, you know, someone created, you know, from a visual standpoint. And I'm like, oh, man, how did they make that? You know, I got to learn, I got to figure out how to make that myself. You know, can I replicate that? You know, and can I take what knowledge I, I've learned and 
do something amazing that people can see. And, and, and for me, you know, just having that knowledge and being able to see how social media has transcended athletes, you know, and, and, and giving those athletes a, a platform to actually talk and tell their stories and get people to know who they are. It just feels, feels like it's, it's the perfect time for the stuff that I've been doing and the knowledge that I have to uh, be able to use that and, 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 and be able to create very, like I like to say, timeless content. You know, I'm, I'm all about quality and, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I want to be able to create things that are, that are lasting, that people can use. You know, if I say, hey, I'm going to create a, a promo video for you, I want it to be something that's very high end and catches people's eye. But at the same time, you may not have to get another video done, you know, that same year or the next year. You may be able to use that one because I'm trying to capture the essence of who you are as a person and an athlete. And you're doing some work with me and with our, our, our apparel company, Go Be More. Um, you're helping me to visually tell my story, my background in you know, fighting a chronic kidney disease and being an Olympic athlete. And I, I look back at some of the work that you've done and, and cut and put together so far, and, and, and that is a re- reflected in that, that, that timelessness. I feel that. Why is that so important to you to be able to do that for athletes specifically? What is it about their stories for you, obviously, having a background in it that makes it it gives you a deeper understanding of what they're going through and the stories that that are there to tell um, visually as a videographer and photographer uh, that you are. But what's driving you to do that so that the public, the general public can have a greater understanding of these stories like you do? Yeah, I, I think you, you just said it. You know, it's the fact that every athlete, I mean, e- even outside athlete, everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with athletics, um, I think because of media and everything, you know, athletes aren't necessarily able to tell their story in the narrative that they want to. You know, uh, writers and everyone else kind of take bits of what the athletes told them and they tell it how they see it, you know, and I think, you know, with this new digital age, this is the perfect opportunity for athletes to be able to do that. And I feel strongly as an athlete who didn't have these necessary tools to be able to tell my story. I I just, I I know how much athletes put into the effort and the work that they put in to becoming a great athlete. The general public doesn't see what happens 24 hours a day you know, in an athlete's life. There, there's so many levels and different things that happen within the athlete's lives that, you know, uh, I think a lot of time, most of the general public only sees the final product when they're out on the field. You know, they don't mm-hmm. see, you know, hey, this, this kid was, you know, he didn't even make his high school team or, you know, he didn't even, he didn't get a scholarship offer, you know, or, you know, he's, he worked several jobs you know, while he was trying to do this, you know, he's a human, normal human being, you know, he has ups and downs, just like everybody, life happens to them, things work out, things don't work out. And I think the general public, you know, tends to, you know, look at those final product things and judge people on that without actually Mm -hmm. the actual person and the athlete. And I think Mm -hmm. that's part of why I feel so strongly. I mean, even me, you know, we all have a story, uh, just doing what I do, you know, I think there's, in the industry, they, you know, you would think sometimes it's like, hey, here we have a person who has experience in professional sports, 
you know, this is the guy we should have creating our content for him. Whereas, you know, they're like, oh, well, it's just another athlete trying to do something. You know, they don't mm. necessarily take me as seriously as like, hey, this guy actually knows his craft. And, you know, if we're going to do something related to sports, none of us have competed at that level. You know, none of us have experienced. We should have him tell our story, you know, and create our content that reflects to what a true athlete is going to. Yeah, I think that's the part that I wanted to touch on and that we've talked about a little bit before. And I really love that about what you're striving to do. I'm going to say it because I want to make sure that it's said, but you want to be the known as the, the go-to guy when it comes to sports and videography and, and, and photography, like specifically videography. Like you want to be the guy that everybody in sports uh, at all levels, I mean, you, you work with all kinds of professional athletes from the NFL, XFL, I mean, you name it, you, you've done it, you've touched it, obviously Olympic athletes uh, in, in various disciplines and various sports. I mean, you are that dude, you can do it, and you're fighting to establish yourself in that regard. And I think the thing that's super cool about the telling the stories that uh, uh, outside of like that finished product, like everything else, putting it into context is the way I would phrase it. It reminds me of like, you know, the way we, we elevate athletes, even with somebody like um, uh, a Lance Armstrong. Like, mm -hmm. I think the thing that was so interesting about the devastation that he admitted to cheating and taking performance enhancing drugs. And I, I wrote this three piece article that got picked up by uh, ESPN.com. Uh, and, and, and what I talked about in it a lot was why athletes cheat, the perception uh, of athletes in general, what our responsibility is to each other, and then also how the general public perceives the athlete and why some athletes, a lot of athletes, feel the pressure when, if they do cheat, feel the pressure to cheat. And it's because we, we, we forget that they're human. And so right. when we get super excited about them, the expectation is like, you literally cannot fail. Like you have to be Superman. You have to be Superman. Yeah. And if you, if you don't meet my expectation as a fan, I'm going to crucify you, you know, and I'm going to make you feel really, really bad. And we're going to rip you apart. Uh, and, and, and people think that, oh, that's part of their job. It's okay, dude everybody's mind is as fragile as everybody else's mind. So when you're saying this stuff, I mean, the only way for them to avoid it is to not hear it from anybody and to not read it. And that's almost impossible in this day and age. Like you're going to get wind of it. Right. So the mental, the mental torment that, that these athletes are put through just from the expectation right. is crazy. And then on top of that, we elevate them in general. They, they are more than human beings to us. We right. honestly make them, iconic to the point where they're like deities we think that they're demigods that they're superhuman and that is the expectation and then that becomes embedded in their psyche and they struggle to be human and we dehumanize them and i think that if you can tell those stories and continue to not if but as you continue to tell those stories i think that you will um lay a greater foundation that's that hasn't really i think been dived deeply into um in the way that you're talking about. I think that that's uh, a, an exciting endeavor, um, an Olympic type endeavor that I think you're, you're worthy of accomplishing because I, I see it in your work already. I'm grateful for you to, to be doing that because as an athlete uh, who's spent so many years striving to become the best in the world uh, at their event, 
that is one of those things that I, I think that I do have um, challenges mentally, you know, in terms of mental I- I- issues, because I went to that place. Right. And it's so hard to come back right. to a no- sense of normalcy. And, and I right. struggled with depression uh, right after the Olympic trials. So I, was, I was spent so many years chasing it that when it was over, I fell into depression for six months. And I didn't leave my room. I didn't do anything. I struggled, you know. Um, and so I do think that that's, you have to tell those stories. And yeah. um, thank goodness that there's somebody of your caliber and with your background that is actually choosing to do that with, um, your talent as a videographer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, because you have to look at it from an athlete's perspective, too, is that, you know, we, we put enough pressure. We have our own expectations on top of it. You know, I always use an example, you know, it's how you put things in perspective. Uh, uh, one of my former uh, roommates at the Olympic Training Center, he was a race walker. And, uh, you know, he didn't make his Olympic team and he committed suicide. Mm. That's something that really puts things in perspective for you. And you realize that, like, you know, sport is sport. You know, it's not life. It's not the end all, the be all. But I think the general public and people put that type of pressure on sports. And and, and like you said, they put them on a pedestal and, and expect them to be these great people and and not realize that they're just human you know there's just like anybody else you know they're going to have bad days they're going to be depressed you know they're going to you know wish they had done something differently you know they're going to have marriage issues just normal they're normal human beings and just the fact that these athletes are out there giving it their all trying to become the best and everything i commend many athletes for doing that because it's not an easy task. You know, we all know, it, you know, and, and it's easy to sit back, you know, especially now with technology and everything. It's easy to sit back and criticize people left and right because you're not looking them in the eyes. You're just saying, hey, man, you could have did better than that. I could have did better than that. You know, I, I literally just had this conversation with another friend of mine um, who's in, uh, who's actually still competing in the, uh, playing in the NFL. And I was like, you know, I, I always laugh at people sitting at home and say, why didn't you catch that? You know, and I'm like, have you ever received a pass from an NFL quarterback? (laughs) Any people couldn't take a pass. I mean, in a game, you know, with guys jamming you off the line and this guy has a cannon for an arm. And when you hear an NFL pass coming toward you, you can hear it. It's just just like baseball. You can hear that coming to you because it's coming fast. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, I've been fortunate to, you know, know a lot of NFL football players and stuff like that and and have some in my family. And it's, it's ridiculous to just to think that people can sit there and say like, oh, I wouldn't do that. You know, like, no, not even. You know, Vaughn, one of the things that stands out to me is like the person sitting on the couch can can easily say like, oh my God, he should have caught that. And, And yet the football player, if they got to just watch that person work, could sit there and be like, oh, you should have responded better to that. Email, right? Like, oh, you should have, oh, you should have, yeah, you should have, you should have, you should have done that better in your job. But, but the reality is most of us don't, nobody's watching what we're doing, right? Like there's a, you know, internally right. and the people who right. are internally are, more, are generally more supportive and, and stuff. Right. You, you you're, there's a, there's a funny idea of, of, of turning the tables and having, having, uh, you know, all the TV production on some right. office and then just like having people tweeting about how right. bad that office is being run, right? And how everybody totally. would feel totally. in the office, right? Yeah. If you're just receiving yeah. this real time, like, 
right. like, oh, you did such a crap job. Like you said, there, there is a, uh, it's a fine line too, because, you know, athletes and, you know, I, I see this in a lot of entertainment, you know, and even just social media side, it's like, you know, there is that also that like, hey, you know, as an athlete and as an entertainer, you know, you got to understand you are also putting yourself out there for people to be able to comment on you and view right. you a certain way. So you have to be understanding like, hey, yeah, that's going to come along with the territory, you know, of being, you know, possibly a professional athlete or in the limelight and things of that nature and everything. And, you know, I see both sides and I understand both sides and everything, but, you know, there has to be some level of, of, of compassion on both sides in the long run. Yeah. I, you know, Von, I, I want to ask, we're, we're coming towards the end of, of our, our time, and I want to ask you, for you, when you think about your next steps, like where you're headed, one of the things about Gobi Moore, we always talk about, we want people to chase their dreams, and, and that process is a step-by-step process. It doesn't, it's not all at once, right? So can you tell us a little bit about where you're at now and where you where you hope to be headed in the future? Yeah, um, I mean, some of my uh, long-term and short-term goals, you know, just within, uh, you know, from the business side first uh, is just literally, um, you know, marketing and getting Wear Studios name out there as a, a, a reliable company that can create content for professional athletes, you know, whether it's, doesn't matter what sport it's in, you know, I, I'm, I've been fortunate to have experienced a lot of different sports and work with a lot of different professionals from different sports. And uh, I'm a sports fan, you know, I like all kinds of sports. So, you know, I like to, j- I always joke around and say, you know, I can make, I can shoot curling and make it look exciting and good. <laughs> Which it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, not to not curling. I think it's a, a awesome sport yeah. too. You know, I mean, I, I, people, you know, that's the beauty of being able to dip in and out of people's professional sports and getting a glimpse you know you get to really see like hey that may look like it was easy but no that's hard you know you get to see how much these people practice and how they become masters of their craft and everything so um but you know in the nutshell um just basically you know i was was supposed to shoot the uh you know cope with the nfl combine i mean not combine a draft this year of course because of the virus you know, they went viral, you know, with everything else and went online, you know, to continue to just do bigger and better projects. Um, eventually, yes, be able to shoot, uh, you know, in the Olympic Games even, mm-hmm. you know, which I've never done any of that. I work with tons of Olympic athletes, you know, and have a big connection with that. But I would love to do, you know, work with, you know, possibly Team USA and, you know, create content for them at some point. Another big goal is to actually do a few documentaries actually just on athletes to give people a little bit more insight on athletes in general and what it takes to become you know, a professional athlete and not just the whole, hey, this guy was born gifted and is, you know, he can throw a ball this far, he can run this fast and everything like what it actually takes because there's more to just being genetically gifted, you know, John can attest to this, we've competed in known athletes who are tremendously, who really are genetic freaks and did not achieve a level that, you know, everyone thought they were going to achieve because life happens. You know, there's people that, you know, come up straight out of high school that are, that still have high school records that never made a U.S. 
nationals, never made a U.S. national team and everything. And people have to understand that, you know, that that's that's a given. You know, you have lots of parents out here who are like, oh, my kid's going to the NFL, my kid's doing this. And, you know, they don't really understand the realities of it. You know, it's it's a small percentage of people that get to compete professionally in the sports and everything. And with technology, it just seems like the kids are getting faster and stronger and everything else. So as far as like personal life, just, you know, watching my kids grow and, and become productive citizens and, <laughs> having, you know, health and my wife and, and, and everything. And, and just, you know, just basically just loving life and enjoying it. You know, I mean, I, I think one of the things from this whole, you know, pandemic that's happened is, you know, those that have uh, aware and taking advantage of spending more time with their family and, and really getting to know, you know, their friends, calling those old friends up that you haven't talked to in a while, you know, and yeah. checking on them and, and, you know, and really, you know, taking advantage of this downtime that, you know, with things like this, you know, having podcasts, you know, and stuff like that, you know, creating content that people can enjoy and, and think about and have conversations about, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the long run and everything. More than anything, like I said, just you know, really get where studio's name out there as the go-to guide, you know, when you want high-end content and you want, you know, concepts, social media, things of that nature. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to do all of that type of work with, you know, different companies and athletes and everything. And I just want to create content that's going to last for a long time and be remembered. John, anything else? No, I mean, Vaughn, we, we truly appreciate being able to learn more about your story, brother. And, and I think you're doing tremendous work. You know, our message is very straightforward. Chase your dreams and let us uh, be a reminder of the value of, of your, making your dreams come true. It, it's inspiring watching what you're doing with your career after sports. And I hope that other professional athletes in all sports reach out to you and, and, and connect with you and your, your company because... Um, you really do care about the stories. You care about the athletes. You want to see them go be more inside and outside of the, the lines, you know, when it comes to competing. And um, I think you're doing a wonderful job, brother. And it, and it was an honor uh, being able to uh, interview you and, and uh, be able to share your story. So thank you so much, man. Thank you guys for having me. It was an honor just being on here, man. And I, I wish you guys the best of luck of all of this. You guys are going to have some pretty awesome awesome guests coming on for sure yeah i'm looking yes, forward to that vaughn before we go can you tell us where should people find you on on internet social anything like that uh so on social media you know twitter instagram facebook you know where studios uh w-a-r-e my last name studios with an s um and you can uh find uh find my website at www.wearestudios.co uh, not com but co and uh, you can check out some of my work, you know, email me if you guys are interested. Uh, definitely, uh, I'm, I, and no, no job is too small. You know, I mean, I, you may see, you know, work on there from Gatorade, Nike and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, if you're passionate about what you do and I can see that you're passionate, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it. That's fantastic. He's not I'll lying. Put, He's not lying. <laughs> I'll put those links in the show notes as well, but thank you, Vaughn. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find links to any articles or items we referenced in the show notes. Please subscribe and be sure to give us a rating. And remember to tell a friend about the show. The Gobi Moore podcast is produced by Gobi Moore Apparel. Check us out at gobimore.co. 
For all of us at Gobi More, we are what the world is chasing, and we hope this podcast helps you become what the world is chasing too.